It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com waterwaystravel.com is your surf travel concierge you know how you usually consult with a friend who has been to a destination before you go there you get recommendations for where to stay where to surf what the surf conditions are like etc well waterways is that friend and better yet they'll hook you up with a deal because they know the owners and the operators they've been doing this since 1994 from south africa to central america to indonesia and almost anywhere in the surfing world in between. Sean Murphy and his team have been going to these spots multiple times a year to fully understand the ins and outs of every season. And since the 90s, they were responsible for organizing magazine trips, photo shoots for the brands, for so many of the trips that you and I read about and watched surf video parts that were generated from those trips. So there's no sense in you trying to reinvent the wheel or to rely on questionable intel. Just rely on the experts. Go to waterwaystravel.com and ask away. They will get you dialed in for any time of year, any budget, strike mission, or making plans for next year's family trip. Go to waterwaystravel.com. And as always, realwatersports.com. We always talk about their vast array of surfboards and surfboard video tutorials as well, which are great, but they also carry anything and everything else that you would need. Clothing, wetsuits, traction, accessories, and they offer free shipping on most orders over $99. So of course, check them out for any surfboard purchases, but also in the interim, consider them your local retailer. They have world-class customer service. They have a huge inventory of everything that you need for everyone in your family for every season. And again, it ships for free. So Go to realwatersports.com. You can click through the site and figure it out on your own. They also have a live chat function. And of course, they have a phone number you could pick up, call. They'll answer any questions you might have. 
We love them. They're a great partner of ours. So realwatersports.com. Enjoy. Welcome back to part two of my conversation with Chris Malloy. We ended episode one with Chris injured from a wave at Pipeline. The year was 1997. It was just after the sun had set. The lifeguards had gone home. Dave Cantrell helped Chris up the beach where he had a conversation that would shift the trajectory of his life and his career. I'll never forget I sat. (laughs) So Jack Johnson's dad is Jeff Johnson, right? And he was kind of a mentor to us and a classic dad figure. And he always sort of was just shook his head with the, the notion of pro surfing. And he was a woodworker and an old school, you know, he got to Hawaii by sailing there. Wow, <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And raised, you know, um, PD and Trent and Jack and uh, right there at Pipeline. And they had this beautiful deck. Um, under the trees there. And so Cantrell gets me up there. There's a there's a chair there. Jeff Johnson's sitting there and he plops me down and I'm like kind of just assessing myself. And um, Jeff hands me a beer and he just looks out to the ocean. Now it's getting dark. And he's like, uh, so uh, what are you gonna do now? And that was his way of saying like, you know, you put all your eggs in this basket and you're fucked now, you know? And he was like, just, it was, he was a lot like my dad, actually. The funny part is that the kid that ran the Bolex for me, that first movie, Thicker Than Water, was his, was his son, Jack. Right. <laughs> and Jack, I was like, Jack, let's make a surf movie. And he's like, all right. Jack did more than just run the Bolex. He made some of the music for the film, and he's become a household name now, but this foray into film predates Brushfire Fairy Tales, his first album release, by about a year. It was, in fact, the first time that I remember hearing Jack's music. I felt like I had been given exclusive access to something special. And this would actually mark a feature of Chris's films that has always delivered for me. The music that he uses is inextricably tied to the films, to the tone, and to the storytelling itself. And through it, Chris introduces me to music that has become a mainstay in my life. The punk music of the surf films of the 90s worked for the film, for the section, but it hasn't stayed with me. And most of it hasn't aged well. It hasn't matured. Chris's films, almost upon first viewing, felt classic. And they more accurately reflected the way that I was experiencing surfing and travel. So for me personally, and I think for the genre as a whole, Thicker Than Water marked a turning point for surf films, certainly with a nod to the surf films of the 60s and 70s, But coming out of the 90s, Thicker Than Water marked a cornerstone for a lot of films that would come after it where the sojourn is valued more than the final clips that were gathered. So I tried to communicate to Chris what that first film, Thicker Than Water, meant to me, and that is where we will enter this conversation. If you haven't listened to part one, please go do that now. Otherwise, my name is David Scales for Surf Splendor, and I hope that you enjoy part two of two of my conversation with Chris Malloy. a broader experience you know than just the surfing itself so i'm just curious what did you set out to make 
did you recognize that there was that void in the market for an alternative style of film or what was the intention behind it? Um, I wasn't thinking about the market at all. Um, I was thinking about like a few people that I thought would really dig it, you know, and I think anything creatively, if you set out and you think about like five of your friends, best friends, probably who you share a certain aesthetic and, you know, you share records or songs, you go, Hey, you got to listen to this, you know, and and if you think about that, then it usually works, works. The project usually works. If you're trying to think about the market, then you're just pulled in too many different directions and, you know, I know that too well. I like what when you have you know thirty creatives on a project, it's just an ever they all suck. But um, yeah, so we we just we I think we said I don't you know like our first so Jack and 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 my first meeting on the idea and I joke when I say meeting, but um, we were like, what should it be like? You know, and we knew we knew like we you know I was thinking about John Severson and and Steve Pesman and. Craig Stesic and kind of the stuff they had, how they shared the experience, you know, and and um, and Jack was like, well, "Check this out," and he had this Herbie Mann record, <laughs> and he put it on. It was like flute music, and um, the cover was like Herbie Mann, and he's like fat and hairy, skinny pants on, like balding, a beard and no shirt on, like greased up with a flute. It was it was amazing, but he put it on, and we're sitting there at Pipeline in, in the little back um, cabin they had there, and um, we're sitting there. We're not stoned or anything, and we're just like sitting there, and we're like, I don't know, something like this, man. Like, <laughs> so I'm just it's it, it was like that much of like a there was no. There was just kind of like let's let's go out and 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 like we've seen this all with our own eyes and it really was something that we made happy. It made us happy. Yeah. Like let's go do, let's go do it. It's kind of we just had the same grew up in the same place with the same people, same heroes, and um, you know Jack's writing music and playing songs and and um, I'm you know rec- I'm recording them and just felt like there was some fun stuff we could go out and make. And all of a sudden, like, we could, you know, and, and it was very simple. And, uh, you know, at that time you had, like, you know, Thomas Campbell was, like, about to make this, this uh, seedling. And um, I was friendly with him. We'd become real close friends. But at the time, I mean, there was something in the air. You know, there was time. There was time, you know. And <clears throat> certainly Andrew Kidman was doing, you know, he was coming out litmus was during that time i think that was prior to what we were doing um there was like a it was like there needed to be some kind of a shift and i think that that was in terms in far as as far as like market goes uh i took a vhs of it um to a guy named uh pi and he ran Huntington Surfing Sport. I was like, I don't know if you'd watch this. If it, it's so different, I don't know. And um, he comes back, and he's, I'll have two. I'll take two thousand. What? Like, yeah, no, it was crazy. It was crazy. And um, I didn't even have one printed yet. Like there was no, there weren't any copies yet. <laughs> and that, and I called the Jack, and then my cousin Emmett. 
um, who did a lot of the, did some of the editing and was like, you know, there for the beginning and, you know, co-directed the thing with us. Like, you know, we, we were, I called them and they're like, what? Holy shit. Like, and, um, yeah. And then a few months later, it wins film of the year, you know, uh, it, for surfer magazine. And it was like, man, the, the, the hook was set. We were like, let's keep doing this. You know, it's fun. I, we did not expect that. I literally, I think I got my copy from Huntington Surf and Sport. Classic. Now that you say that. Classic, yeah. Um, was the film a financial success? I paid, I paid back. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, it, it made its money back. Good. It, it made its money back and I paid Bob back the loan. Good. So I put X amount in myself. I put the majority in. Um, and then, um, and then Bob put in a chunk, um, and then I paid him back and, um, we had enough to start the next one. Okay. Yeah. Did it seem like it was just, you could exercise that creative, it would pay for itself so that you could exercise the creativity or did it seem like there was a career path there to make a living off of? Were you doing it just no, for the fun no, of it? There was, was never, it? No, okay. no, with, so like I've got to work on dozens of surf movies, but the like the our little body of work is I think it's like six. Yeah, and um, there was never any delusion of grandeur that we would financially make anything. The one that made actually made money was September Sessions, um, and. Jack was like, oh, let's just donate it to, like, there was this thing in Indonesia. Um, I forget what it's called, but it was, like, well, you know, this NGO in Indo that was about, I think it had to do with malaria or something. Okay. I sound so dumb by not knowing it. It's been a long time. Yeah, Jack's like, yeah, we should just donate the profits to, like, in the, like the people in Indo that need it, you know? Yeah. And I was like... Right. I was like, cool. I'm in. Sounds good. Yeah, that was the that was the one that actually made money. But that, that was, yeah. Um, you haven't spoken at all about non-surf film, like Hollywood film, mm -hmm. narrative film. Did you have any appreciation for any of that stuff, or was it all just based on surf experience? Oh uh, yeah, I was super. I was super into yeah Were other you? other films. Like, I didn't go to film school, of course, and um, and it's like spotty because I wasn't hanging out in like you know urban environments with folks that were you know up to speed on exactly who was doing what um at the time but i got my my hands on a bunch of a bunch of stuff that you know informed me on on um you know some of our aesthetic in um in in in, in filmmaking for sure because for, sure. for a first effort thicker mm -hmm. than water is a epic first <laughs> first effort you know what yeah. i mean like it's a masterful film and a lot of not just because it accurately reflects the surfing experience of the exploration experience but it's a beautiful film you know yeah, as a complete that. piece i appreciate that yeah i think i mean i give a lot of credit to everybody that worked on it and and it was just that it was you know i i consider the genre um that is a surf film is basically like a good filmmaker with a bull X, not much of a budget, friends with surfers, part of a crew of surfers um, who 
who are out to find new waves and push the limits, their limits of surfing. And in the meantime, like have incredible times, meet people, see cultures. Like that's general to me, a surf movie, you know, and we have all these surfing documentaries that go to the, get the Oscars and all this stuff. Those are surfing documentaries. They're not surf films to me. And that's not taking anything away from them. I'm saying it's a, it's different. Yeah, those aren't surf movies, and so we may just, you know, going off the blueprint of, you know, Albion, copying that kind of, and Severson and Witzigs and and the many more that were just like, go, go get out on the road with some really good surfers and and capture the experience, you know. So, can you tell me about your cousins? Uh, Mm-hmm. Emmett and Brendan, yeah, um, and what their influence was on you because they went to film school, right? I don't think so. They no. didn't. Mm-mm. Okay, no, but they they I think they both went to college. Yeah, yeah. Um, they are uh, just classics. The biggest influence Emmett and Brendan was getting into trouble when we were in our early teens because <laughs> they were they were so they were like very worldly at an early age, you know. And we were coming out of Ohio, and so we would tag along with them, and they would teach us to do things we probably shouldn't and um they're great characters very like it's funny because me and my brothers and i met and brenner were, were very different how we grew up you know first cousins but we grew up very differently and so it's interesting that they've st- gotten into film they've sort of they've done great you know they've i didn't know great. if they led the way or were they um, into it before you or was it all simultaneous it was kind of simultaneous okay. yeah i think and i think that they're sort of how they got into film was different than how and uh, they were on it kind of in a, a different trajectory. Um, and they've gone on to do some really, really great stuff. And the surf films, um, they uh, have contributed in a, especially Emmett has, you know, um, has contributed and been just there shoulder to shoulder with us with a lot of stuff. And, um, and Do you remember that film, Big Easy Express, mm-hmm. that they did? I went to the L.A. premiere of oh, that. Cool. Yeah. Like in 2012 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I um, I don't remember when their names popped up for me first, but yeah. I, their names popped up and it was never related to surfing so much. But I knew that they were related to you and I wasn't sure were they cousins. Yeah, there's were a they, confusion. Like, yeah. There's a big confusion there. Yeah, they're like, oh, you're the Malloys and... Yeah, and, and I think you surf in there, and they're like, "Yeah, well, we do surf." And then people, then people come to me, and they're like, "Oh, we saw that Manny Pacquiao, right?" Or that you know, um, Christopher Wallace, or uh, you know, Biggie, B I G doc you did, and I'm like, "Yeah, I didn't actually do that." And then at one point, Kelly's like, "Hey, Chris Hemsworth is looking for you, man, and um, can I give him your number?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." And then I called Kelly right back. I'm like, "I." He's probably looking for Emmett and Brennan. And then he like texts him back. He's like, oops, sorry. Yeah, he's looking for those guys. You know, those guys do some pretty, like those guys are actually like filmmaker. You know, they're like, they're, they're, they've been working nonstop in film for a long time. Yeah. And so I sort of dabble more. So, you know, I have a a lot of other things going on. And in the last good over 10 years like i've done a lot of um conservation minded dock work and ag centric um um, documentary stuff um and um because that's kind of the life that we're involved with more so um and i you know people always say you got to make another surf movie you know like hey and i would love to um but it's really 
so a like now the you know you're traveling with I'm 51 so I'm traveling with kids between 20 and 35 you know they're just they could be my own kids you know yeah. so it's like a little different and then also most of the surfers have a, a, an entourage and they're and no matter what you do they're you know it's being posted th- that day so for me some of the magic of what we got to do with surf films is like I could tell I could say to Conan Hayes or you know um Rob Machado and be like, hey, we're going to go here for three weeks. And I'm not positive where we're staying, but I, I'll work it out. We, we'll have somewhere to stay, and we're going to shoot 16. And um, I bought an old Jeep. We're set on tra- on getting to the spots. We're set on getting the spots. And um, it'll take – it'll probably be four months before we get to see the footage. And they'd be like, fuck, yeah, let's go. You know, and yeah. then the movie would come out in 18 months to 24 months. Yeah. And these guys were the, you know, the most, uh, you know, these known surfers in the world at the time. And they were completely willing. Yeah. yeah let's go. And, you know, like kind of sucks where we're staying, Chris. And I'd be like, I know I'll, I'll go, I'll buy dinner or whatever. And they'd be like, great, I'm in, you know, including Kelly. Um, and that's just not quite doable now. Yeah. Um, you, um, you know, you, it's, it's, it's different. Um, I will say that I do have an exciting one that I think will happen, will come out in the next, like, 24 months. So, um, yeah, when I have more to, I'm excited about it. It's a good one. Is it being shot yet? It got started being shot 20 years ago. Mm. Yeah. Now I'm intrigued. It's, it's 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 a neat one. I'll say that, yeah, it's, it's the the it started being shot by a different group of brothers, um, the Wilson brothers. They were um, on the North Shore and they started a film, and um, it's kind of just been floating around in the ether for a long, long time. And so we're gonna pick back up and see what we can make out of it. Who are the Wilson brothers? Um, these guys from Texas. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll record another episode then. When you're yeah, I can't wait. It. I can't um, wait. Uh, how did 180 Degrees South mm. come about? Yeah. That's a fun one. So um, through my relationship with with Yvonne Chouinard, uh, you know, he really, oh, like, you know, I would never in a million years call myself a climber, but I have been pulled dragged up some pretty special stuff with, you know, with the climbers and with Yvonne and, you know, been able to go climbing with Dean Potter, Timmy O'Neill or Jimmy Chin. And like, these guys are incredible. And they put up with us, you know, my brothers and I and gotten us into some pretty scary spots. So anyway, we, we, I, I was talking to Yvonne about, you know, the, like surfing and climbing and he brought up to Jeff Johnson and I, especially Jeff, so this is a different Jeff Johnson. There's Jack's dad, and then there's Jeff Johnson, my roommate, North Shore lifeguard, and uh, just a, a great a great friend. About a film he had done in in um, 1968, uh, which was a really an interesting time in surfing and climbing. And he and Doug Tompkins, who was the founder of the North Face, um, and they got in a van and drove from Ventura to deep into Chile. 
to climb him, uh, um, do the second ascent of, of Fitzroy, uh, which was incredible alpine climb. And on the way, they were surfing and skiing and just road dogging it. And through um, um, a dear friend of ours, we got a copy of it. Jeff and I got a copy of it, and it just blew us away. It was a mountain of storms, it was called. And completely forgotten. Hmm. Um, Fred Padula made the film in a... I think I have that right, yeah. That's been a while. Um, and so we saw the film, and we were just like, we got to do that trip. Surf and climb down to Chile is basically the... The, the impetus like when we were like we got to do it so that was before I worked with Yvonne we were just friends so anyway we start working with 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 Patagonia and get deep into that whole project you know helping Patagonia get into to surf in an honest authentic way and which was that's a whole nother story that was a, that was fun and so, and and so we end up telling Yvonne we want to do the trip we want to do that our own version of that trip you know and we're like and we want you to come and he's like motherfuckers I'm about to turn 70 you know I'm like well then just meet us down there anyway that turned into like a five-year I went down and checked out some like first ascents that could possibly you know we could aim for and scouted that whole like a whole chunk of the Patagonia coast with a guy named Rick Ridgeway and Yvonne. We went down there and like, we're looking for waves, like not filming. <laughs> like, and that's when he was working with Doug on those national parks, which, which are, um, that's a whole nother, you know, thing. Got to help work with those guys on some of that. And then I convinced Jeff Johnson to commit, you know, two years of his life and, and, um, and then we, and then we basically, yeah, I mean, credit Scott Sowens and and um, Danny Motor and did the, a lot of the filming and we, we really, we really like, we're like, let's just see what happens. And we had a, you know, really a good run, you know, good run. And we we kind of kept that spirit of do whatever the fuck we want to do. And if there, if the waves were good, we found some great waves and failed on what we had our goal was as far as. Um, a second ascent on this thing called Corcovado, which in the climbing world is nothing. It's it'd be like, you know, wasn't some huge feat, um, but we failed, <laughs> and then which was great because you know it is what it is. And then and then we and we ended up doing a first ascent of this um, of this climb with Doug and Yvonne and Jeff and Jimmy Chin. And thank God, you know, yeah, on the glacier, um, Doug's crampon broke. And so I had to give him mine, which meant I couldn't summit with the guys, which I was so happy about because I was scared shitless. And again, these aren't, this isn't K2. This isn't Everest. This is, this is um, scary as shit, glacial, alpine start, uh, real climbing, but nothing, um, you know, I just want to make that clear. It was yeah. nothing compared to what's being climbed out there. So yeah, yeah, and then yeah, and we made a story about it. It was a great film. Thanks, really. Thanks. Um, well, how did that relationship develop? I know you talked about how you met Yvonne, but when it when you actually start working together, mm -hmm. what was the design of the relationship? Mm -hmm. What did you expect of them? What did they expect of you? 
And and had you already parted ways from Hurley? Had that relationship ended? Um, no. Okay. No. Um, Yvonne, like we finally, we, we, we had joked about working together and then finally, you know, I think, um, you know, Jeff Johnson definitely was like kind of like trying, you know, it's like it was like a, he was set, setting us up, you know, it was, it was like a, he was sort of, like Jeff w was there with Yvonne a lot and with us a lot and was I think he saw that it would be we knew it was a great fit you know we all knew it was a great fit and we finally got serious one day and and it happened really quickly yeah it happened really quickly and I called um I called Paul Gomez and I said I got to meet with you and he's like great anytime I'm like right, right now and he's like whoa okay because I mean he gave us our first shot. Of course. He believed yeah. in me and my knucklehead brothers and said, I, you know, and when nobody else probably would have. And then we had, you know, become quite established. And so I called him. I'm like, I need to meet you right now. And he was like, okay. So we met, met somewhere, some weird little town in California that was halfway. And uh, I think we were at like a Denny's or something. I'm like, hey, so uh, me and Keith and Dan are going to, um, we are going to move on and and we're gonna work for um, Patagonia and Paul just was like he I, it was to the effect like he was he froze for a second and then he was like man I believe in you guys I'm so proud of you I know you have an, a vision for what you're doing I don't know what the fuck Patagonia is <laughs> like he was like but he he was you know he was he was just great and supportive and um and it felt it felt really strange at the time. You know, now people are uh, familiar with Patagonia. And at the time, you know, I had comments from friends being like, so you work for a Frisbee company now? Like, Bizarre. you guys do hacky sack at lunch? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But the, um, yeah, it was, it was at the time it didn't seem like the obvious move for us, I don't think, you know. Um and it was a wild couple of years, you know. I mean, I, I was, you know, deeply involved with um, a guy named John Rapp and another um, guy named Jeff McFetridge um, and, you know, Devin Howard, Ross Garrett. There were all kinds of amazing people that we got to work with. And the idea was really, um, it was really based off of, like, you know, watching where the surf industry was going and really going back to that 1968 era where it was like, go to army surplus, go to thrift stores, canvas, cotton, basics, just basics. And that was at that time, like real surfers weren't wearing logos, you know, like that was, so that would have been, what year was that? So that would have been eight, 19 years ago, 20 years ago. And it was like when, and so we're like, it's just make basic shit. We don't, and you know, Patagonia was known for their fluorescent colors. And we are like, let's just make, just clothes. And, and I think surfers appreciated it, and it was, you know, lifetime, you know, you buy something, it's lifetime guaranteed, it's, it's mindfully, you know, made, and that really, I don't think, was super um, available for surfers at that time, so it seemed to resonate, and then the climbers got into it, too, because they're like, we're tired of wearing, sweat. not as Coppice put it, he's like, I love Patagonia, but it, I'm not, I don't need a... I'm not, I don't need gear that looks like I'm about to go fight aliens. <laughs> Sci-fi clothes, I don't need it, you know. And he was so right, but it was such a, um, a, a great, uh, you know, 
quote from Nottis, but so we just made basic stuff. It wasn't complicated. I'm not a designer. I'm not into clothes at all. And it was like, just make a button up shirt and um, a t-shirt with some picture of a dolphin on the front and, and pants that, you know, aren't trying to be fashiony. And that was the, that was really it, you know, and wetsuits too. And then the wetsuits. Yeah. We were, we were, we were just, my brother Keith was really more involved with the wetsuits than I, like I was, I was more involved with helping to merchandise and have the, like the idea for like what a kid could walk into in that retail space that was not um, really happening too much at the time. Like, so Cardiff was our main spot and Patagonia always had the idea that we, you know, we want our stores to be a gift to the community and work with existing structures. So we had that historic building right there and um, got our hands on that. And then, you know, I wanted to make sure there were um, paddle boards and free diving stuff and, you know, stuff that wasn't really, I mean, they do two seasons a year, so you can't chase what's happening. <laughs> yeah, true. You know, and so it was like a, diff- a little bit of a different experience. And I was involved with every single aspect of, of that. Um, and then we went on to Japan and opened Shibuya and kind of, you know, went from there. Um Vayerwatches.com, V-A-E-R. The company was started by two dudes, Ryan and Reagan, who couldn't afford the watches that they wanted and didn't love any of the watches that they could afford. So they pooled their savings, built a couple of beautiful options, found a fan base for those, and now they have a range of something for everyone. Beautiful, classically designed timepieces, dive watches, field watches, sport watches, automatics, quartz, or even solar-powered watches which is what I wear. That is my preference. You never have to wind it, never have to replace a battery. It soaks up the sun through the dial. Most importantly, the watches are ocean ready with a locking crown and they're guaranteed waterproof. They have a scratch resistant sapphire crystal, sturdy and beautifully well made. Veyer is also the largest independent watch assembler in the United States. So it's an incredible little company that has grown in a short period of time because they focus on high quality, direct to consumer, and competitive pricing. Take my word for it, but also go to Veyer Watches to see the over 4,800 five-star reviews from consumers and also rave reviews from watch journalists and the watch world media. Veyer is spelled V-A-E-R. Check them out at veyerwatches.com and save 15% with our promo code SURF15, the numbers one and five. So veyer, V-A-E-R, watches.com, promo code SURF15, and enjoy. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 
2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInJobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInJobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. At some point, you develop a family along the way. How does traveling the world transition to uh, roots? Yeah, so... You know, we were, I think I figured out for 20 years, I was never in one country for more than like a month or two, you know, so it was just perpetual movement, which was really great, you know, and easy as a single person. And then I met my wife, Carla. We've been together, I think, 23 years. And for the first few years, it was just her and I together now, you know, it was great. Um, And then even with my my son, Lucas, who's 16 now, we took him, the kid, it's funny, he's been to, I think, you know, Fiji three or four times that he doesn't remember it. You know, I have pictures of him uh, and Jackson Dorian as three-year-olds fighting over a piece of watermelon, you know, in, in, at, at Tavarilla, you know. Um, but he doesn't remember any of it. You know, he traveled a lot. He's been a lot of places. Yeah, and then I became more sedentary, and I was also getting older where I couldn't, you know, after – the passing of, you know, friends and watching. I wasn't ready to 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 make the transition into um, jet skis and vests and all that stuff. I was I was like I I was ready to be like, hey, that was our, our, our a good era and um, getting to surf good Mavericks with you know four or five guys out and and having the left completely like I was surfing by myself basically, and I was like, you know what. I feel good about that and still pal out and surf big waves. That's great. But, um, I didn't need to be on every swell and, um, I had definitely satiated my travel bug, you know, like 20 years of it, you know, and, and I love, I love California. I, I believe it's to me, if you know, that's the best place still on earth, you know, and, and there's so much country that you can, you know, in, in these California mountains and our islands. And I kind of just took that sort of 
wanting to see what was around the next band or down the creek and just kind of applied that to um here yeah you know and i love i love california yeah i really do there's plenty to explore and when people complain about you know it being crowded i sort of i'm like i know yeah there's there's nothing left here yet you can be in incredible places that look like colorado you know when a a half day's hike into you know i mean it's amazing what's still left here so yeah so how did that relationship with surfing change uh you said you weren't interested in being on every single swell but yeah are you still surfing what's your current i haven't been surfing much this last year um i surf in the last like how many years i was surfing a ton you know um in at spots that yeah i think people would be like man you missed that swell at rincon and i'm like yeah i know i i I surfed every day of that swell you know (laughs) Just there's there's fun spots you can surf by yourself and good spots, you know. So um, it was kind of fun to be in front of a camera so much and then have zero. You start surfing better, I think. And really different lines, you know. Yeah. You also realize that your hips and your and your back are, are you're, you're you know, when you're young, you're surfing every day to see if you can do something you've never done before, like, you know, and as you get older, if you're realistic with yourself, you're in, sur- in terms of doing that magic wiggle, shred wiggle, like you, if you're true to yourself, you're like, I'm not surfing as good as I was when I was 28. Like I'm, I'm, I'm 48 now. So it's just looking worse and worse. <laughs> like unless you're Kelly, it's just, it's, and it's not about looking. You just start finding like, you know, these, like just, fun lines you know fun lines and start i started writing boards that were less forgiving and and telling myself like i'm just gonna commit to every turn either either completely eat shit or like make a beautiful like line and stick to that and like there's surfers like a there's a guy named Josh Farborough that I just one of my favorite surfers a big stout guy and like builds his own boards and they're just it's either it's either it's all or nothing surfing yeah. power and and commitment to good lines you know and and um that's the kind and my brother Dan like I love watching those kind of um those those kind of surfers and and um you know, we see uh, there's this you know huge movement of riding all kinds of all, all kinds of boards. You know, and I feel like guys are a lot. Of, there's a lot of safety dances going on. Like it, it I like I, I still like you watch say like a like the mid lengths. A lot of times are an excuse to just prance about on a wave, and it's like you're that board is not built. You're riding it like a fun board. And like I, I honestly like I will be judgmental about that. I'm like, it's not an excuse to uh, surf soft, you know, like and just get more waves. Like I want to see, you know, look at like 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 fucking pedal to the metal of that thing, man, and, and like be smooth. Maybe you ride a 200 yard long wave and you do one turn, but like think about like you know, Terry Fitzgerald on a single fin, like that bottom turn was just like, like sparks coming off his rails, man. Like that, I love seeing guys that are really like 
you know, surfing with power and speed on all these different kinds of boards, you know? Yeah. So how often are you surfing now? Right now, I haven't, I haven't surfed in a couple months. Do you miss it? Um, no, no, I don't. And I'm not done surfing. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I mean, you can kind of, I'm very busy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there was a swell, a good swell recently. And my buddy Damon, Damon Holst, amazing guy. He, um, he's like, Hey, do you and Lucas want to go fly? Like he, he's like, has a bush plan. He's like, let's just go see everything today, you know? And, he had my son Lucas landing on dirt runways and, you know, we flew over all my favorite spots. And like, to, the, to me, that was like so fun to watch all those watersheds come to life, watch where the sand was going and look at little piles of guys and, and go like, wow, those guys like are stressing out right now to get the bomb. Cause they were on surf line. It said it was going to peak at four o'clock with a low tide <laughs> and they got to get the thing. And it's like, you know, and like, we're just freaking cruising. And, you know, so, like, I for sure am not, like, I haven't, like, thrown in the town, but, like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be an old cruiser, and, like, I'm still freaking frothy, and I'm still going to, you know, I get up early, I go, and I want to go do, you know, do, do stuff, but it might be working on my place here, you know, and, and taking, you know, Cooper, my youngest, go, you know, he got his first first wild hog the other day oh, all, really? all by himself yeah and came home and dressed that thing out and to have a kid his age be able to sit there at dinner with an animal that he harvested you know uh that's that's like getting a big barrel that's like that's like getting a stand-up barrel man <laughs> well that especially if that's what he's into you know what yeah, i mean super like, into it, yeah. yeah what did he get it with what did he, shoot he was you know, he was uh he had a 270 okay yeah um, there seems like there would be a freedom in relinquishing the anxiety about chasing swells too. Like there is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there is. And, um, there is. And, and I, I will say the first few years I stopped chasing big way, big swells. It was really, really hard for me. Yeah. Um, because I knew I was just completely fit mentally and physically and the skis are coming in and, and like, it was kind of like, it was kind of like, in a way at that time, like social media, it was like, went from like, it was like all the set. It was, there was like this little group of people that were, were surfing big waves and really, really committed to it. And then it was within a year, there was hundreds of big wave surfers and there was big wave tours and there was, you know, in a way that was cool, but I would like, I was, my ego was like watching guys that, wouldn't paddle out on any of those big days, you know? And then skis come in and they're double XL world champions. And I remember some of those guys were straight pussies, you know, and now they're, now they're, you know, uh, and so my ego made me jealous of that for sure, you know, for a time. Um, and then, you know, do you know Stephen Kotler? No. He's a writer and he wrote no, I don't. Uh, he wrote um some he's written some really interesting things about, you know, your endorphin and dopamine and you know that like when you when you um 
you know, when you walk away from that stuff, there's a bit of a void, you know? So I felt that for a few years, but then I, then I also realized, you know, I'm not, sur- I'm not surfing Chopu like that at 48, you right. know? I, I, I'd be stupid to, you yeah. know, I, I've seen guys at that age try to do that and it's kind of sad, you know, they're usually divorced by that time and, you know, it's like, they think it's never going to end, you know, but I think it's, you know, I, if I do surf big waves, I can go out and just be smart. I have nothing left. I have nothing to prove. Yeah. You know, but yeah, experience will allow you to surf bigger waves for until your late sixties, you know, cause you could avoid, you know, or disaster. to be and where not to be. Yeah. 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 And when you do, and when you do get caught inside, you know how to handle it, you know, you know, how, you know, you know what to do. Yeah. Mm. Um, how, how closely do you follow professional surfing at this point? Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, um, I'm spoiled in that, um, if something really significant is going on, my good friends, um, will text me and they'll be like, holy shit, you got to see this go online. It's whatever.com and Kelly and John John are in the the finals at perfect Chopu. So I'll be like, oh shit. And I'll watch it, you know, and so that allows me to not deal with the minutia of the daily tour, the, you know, what's going on, you know, um, whenever there's good surfing and good waves, I definitely love to watch, you know, watch good heats or, or, or good waves and, and, um, but I don't, I won't, I don't, um, follow it. Are you, are there any surfers that you're excited to watch nowadays? Like if you're scrolling Instagram Mm -hmm. and. I don't even know if it's, ex- I don't get super excited, but I get, um, if you've been surfing this long, like a guy can stand up and I can pretty much know what he's going to do. You can tell like if he's like little trophy stance and he's, and I can like, I can see the lip line and I'm like, okay, eight pumps, big air. Awesome. You know, like, and that's great. It's, it is, but I'm not going to watch the rest of the clip. Um, Whereas, like, I don't know, man, just a second a guy stands up and, you know, you can be like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang in for this one, you know. Um, I like watching Connor Coffin surf and Parker. Um, they're both different kind of surfers. I think that kid, Mike February, is always fun to watch. You know, he's so neat to see. He's a perfect case of, like, when he was on tour. Was he on tour for he a He was sec? on for one year. Yeah, and um, had no interest in his surfing. Like, it was just like, okay, great, you know, awesome. Another kid makes a tour. Stoked for him. And then when he got turned loose to, to surf the way he really wanted to, wow, that was pretty neat. You know, he's surfing great. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Who are you watching right now? Who are you? What are, what are you digging? I do love Parker. Coffin. Yeah. Um Parker. Torin Martin, yep. if you're familiar with him. Yep. Uh, Mace, Mason, I'm entertained yes. by. Yes, Mason's amazing. Oh. I love watching him surf, yes. On the tour, though, um, Ethan Ewing. I can't name him. I can't picture Australian kid. Uh-huh. Uh, surfs like Andy, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, John John. Yeah. Always. Yep. Kelly. John John and Kelly, yeah. You know, it's interesting I was having this conversation, like I used to love Kelly surfing, mm-hmm. um, growing up. And then for the last, I realized recently for the last decade, mm-hmm. the only surfing I've really seen from Kelly was on tour. Mm-hmm. Like, it seems like in the last decade, he just hasn't, I haven't seen a ton of free surf clips. I certainly haven't seen any feature films 
you know, yeah. focused on him. And so I found myself falling out of fandom with Kelly, yeah. but it was only because I was only watching him competitively surf mm -hmm. and he wasn't winning contests anymore. Mm -hmm. And so when I do get to see those free surf clips of Kelly, they're mm -hmm. infinitely more interesting to me than the heats that I watch with Kelly. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, he's, I, my take on is like over the years, like he's just such a clutch surfer. Like he'll, so he'll surf um, to figure out a board. Mm -hmm. Like most of us are like, this board feels good or it doesn't. What do you think? Kind of thing. Whereas Kelly is literally feeling every centimeter of his rails and his fins and his bottom contour, everything. So you, you can see Kelly go out and all he's doing is working on a board, working on the, on this board. And he'll be like, cool, four to six. A weird wind board. Okay, cool. Boom, done. Okay, and then, you know, he's figuring out boards. And so that's probably what you're seeing is him. He's just he's just being the tradesman that he is in terms of figuring out a board. And then if, like, the camera's rolling and the waves are really good, like, he'll do crazy shit. But, like, in a way that, so it's really important to say, is like, it's not because he wants to be in, in 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 another surf movie it's that he sees an opportunity to document something that's never been done mm. <laughs> you know he's like okay well if, like you know here's a, i need a ch he needs a challenge he needs like okay i'm gonna do something people haven't seen yeah um and then i think his best surfing's in heats he loves he loves that competition he loves that being behind you know, all odds. Like he, he loves that. And then, and I mean, he turns into, we, anybody that knows him is like, you know, he turns into a different person. It's mm. like so amazing to witness. And I know they say that about the greats in other sports. Like when yeah, it's, yeah. when it, when the shit's hitting the fan, like they get a focus that is really special to witness. And you kind of stand back and you just, and then, 99.9 percent .9 of the time whatever that goal was or you know it, it is um accomplished so yeah yeah that's neat to see it is it's really special actually yeah um i wish that i could i wish i had a film crew with me to showcase to our listeners where we are currently mm -hmm. can you tell me what is this property how did it come to be how did you find it and all of it yeah, so we're in Los Alamos, California, which is only less than, a, it's less than an hour north of Santa Barbara. Um, the closest coastline to us is like Point Conception. Um, and yeah, this was, um, you know, obviously it was Chumash, you know, for you know, as far back as 15,000 years. Um, and then, yeah, when the Spanish came in, it became land grant. Um and then over the you know decades and centuries, it's been cut down into smaller. Um, you know, generally those land grants were about thirty thousand acres, and so now what we have in this region, it's all agrarian. You know, it's all cattle, um, and the flatlands are farmed either for hay or vegetables. Um, and a lot of you know four thousand, five thousand acre uh, ranches. Um, and then we landed on a little 100-acre spot um, on a little mesa. Um, we're surrounded by those bigger ranches, a lot of vineyards now, too. Um, and, yeah, an old man named David Holden lived on this place for 30 years um, with his family. And 
he liked to collect stuff. So, um, and there was no house here. So, um, they had a trailer and they were getting ready to move. They think they moved to New Mexico and, uh, we ended up here. Yes. I lived on the San Julian ranch. I lived uh, on the Hollister, lived in Paloma. Paloma was a, um, real special place for us. So I, I kind of was in this region on different different places, and then we had the opportunity to land here. And yeah, it's been it's been a wild ride, and we built a place, and uh, and that's where we're raising the kids. So, and what do you do with the land with the hundred acres? Well, we my wife grows um, greens that she sells at her little store in town, and also to local restaurants, um, and then. Um, in the last six years, we've had sheep. Um, my my daughter Pearl had a little egg program. We were up to about sixty chickens at one point. Um, and then when there's grass, we run cattle in the in, in the our little canyons here. So, you know, we do that a to have us. We keep back a steer for our own family, um, and then um, we we have like. Um, just like 20, it's like a little cow-calf, right? So we have um, 20 head of, of cows, and we put a bull on them for, you know, X amount of days, and then they have their calves. We raise those cows and then sell those calves. So it's tiny. It's a tiny thing. You know, It's I have to have my day job <laughs> yeah. to do it, and it's it's a lifestyle thing. And my kids are real into – my younger kids are real into rodeo. So for them to grow up with cattle and the, the, that daily experience um, – is um yeah that's how they're they're growing up what do you do with the sheep <laughs> um uh we um sell them to we have lambs every year so we sell um the lambs and then we um there's a local uh restaurant there's a couple local restaurants that um and they'll say hey we could use a you know um a lamb so i'll go out and i'll um harvest them skin them gut them and then produce a really beautiful carcass for a lo- local restaurants yeah Amazing. yeah and then we keep the hides you know, floating around the house here i saw one outside hanging yeah. on the lighting fixture yeah that one's not done yet <laughs> <laughs> so i got it hanging outside yeah out of the rain um right now we're in a big transition um we with two months we wanted to have all our seed in the ground right now but with the rain we're waiting and um yeah for things to dry out i started to work that little tiny field right here and halfway through just got sunk on my back right so it'll be easy to get out and wait for it to dry up and i'll haul that out and get that field little field done and then there's the one on the way in by the cow garden it's amazing how much you can produce you know in a small area so yeah we're having fun with it Small is a relative term. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, any of your kids interested in surfing? <clears throat> I, I definitely haven't raised um, surf dudes, you know. Like, and it's uh, they can they can surf. The little one hasn't surfed yet. Um, yeah, I'm so my son is you know he's interested in aviation. He's a great student. Um, really good with a wrench. Now he can he can work on trucks and tractors, and he's. Um, this summer, he's done all of his qualifications, and uh, it looks like he's going to be a state lifeguard. Um, so, yeah, but, like, not really beach bummy, you know, like, not 
um, if I had seen like a deep drive to um, do it, I would support it just like my dad supported us. But, you know, he's got two more years um, here on the ranch and then he's going to have to, you know, have, make a living doing something. So I've kind of seen his interests in other, in other things and yeah, he can surf, but it's, you know, he can also work on a truck and where he grew up surfing. Um, there wasn't that culture of, um, like, uh, airs and stuff. It wasn't really his little crew. He had a great little crew. He grew up surfing this little reef with eelgrass and nobody really around him. And, and nobody was looking at clips and, they weren't really aware of the surf contest world. So he didn't, you know, that's what fosters these great surfers. Like, you know, all the, all the guys you see out there, like they had this little crew, whether it's San Clemente or Gaviota or, well, not Gaviota actually, but like you, um, they won't, you know, you're pushing each other, pushing, pushing, pushing. And they didn't really <laughs> grow up around that. His friends were like, Hey, there's the Rincon Classic, and they would go down and come back, kind of like, well, we thought we were pretty good, and like you get down there, and just kids are unbelievable. But the kids around here, you know, you can stick them up in the in the headwaters of the Sisquoc and like leave them, and they'll make themselves a little fort, and you know, make some kind of kind of slingshot or something. Like they're they're just kind of a little bit more punchy kids, I guess. Um, yeah, so we'll see. Um, well, you've given them a lot of opportunities to pursue whatever they want, and that's yeah. that's amazing. It's kind of what my dad did. Yeah. You know, he's like, here it is. This, well, I mean, I was born when my dad was 20, 21, and he was still, like, I, I vividly remember, you know, him riding a saddle bronc on a Saturday, and, you know, a month later we're down in Baja with, you know, some gear he'd put together. And so he was still a kid is my point and so we just followed followed him like little ducklings like wherever he went he would take us you know so yeah well final question for everybody is just um what was the last surfboard that you rode mm-hmm. but in general what are you riding oh man so the last board i rode was uh, i get the greg littles the holes um I was um, introduced to those through Matt Miller and Kirk Putnam in um, probably 80, 80, um, 83 was when I started seeing those guys ride those, you know, like it was really cool. You might have, like like I said, like George Greeno on the mat and, you know, KP and that whole crew and, and um, but I wasn't riding them, right. you know, and then, and then, um, and then um and then KP's like he's like a drug dealer with 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 hulls right he's just like dude I got one for you I got one for you you know and and that was um God when was that that was a long time ago it was a long time ago and uh and then I've always had one in my quiver you know and I ride them a little like probably seven twos you know and and um KP I always make sure I have something you know and he'll 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 give me stuff Klaus. I got some Klauses as well, and, and um, yeah, those make you, you know, they, they make you uh, commit, like I was talking about, like, there's, there's no fucking around with those things, like, you pick a good line, and you commit to it, and, and uh, 
Yeah, I, I really enjoy riding those, and they keep you on your toes. Can you explain the difference to listeners who haven't ridden displacement holes? Mm. What is? Yeah, it's hard to explain. You know, it's like this the illusion of speed. Like it's there's so many sort of like there's a little sort of um, language in the in in the whole crew in terms of like. Um, how they work and it's really i mean it really it's it's for me everybody's different you know for me it's just like um shifting my surfing from like bottom turns used to be like okay i gotta get enough speed to do everything up top right it's all about the lip and like holds just the beauty of like just giving everything you have to that bottom turn it's you know the the the, the the amazing part about those that kind of surfing really is the bottom turn, and then just the, and then just having the like ability with after a good bottom turn it slings you up towards the towards the tr trim zone and then that trim of just that free fall of just of just you know over the course of you know thirty yards just coming off you know staying on that lip line and then and then coming down with it and hopefully the lip is just like right at your waist or your shoulder or just and it's just just right there and this is and you, just, you just sit in that spot you know and then do it again you know for me like if you're gonna ride hulls you're all you're gonna see how big of an arc and and cut back you can do but once you've like fallen enough times and then finally accomplish that like i don't spend as i'm just about that bottom turn and that big big long trim man where you're just in the in the in that sweet spot with in the in the right in the pocket you know mm -hmm. that's uh, honest surfing to me and i get a kick out of guys that are like trying to do all this stuff on a haul and it's like that's great i mean you know whatever you want to it's like it's like performance longboarding you know like guys putting a thruster on the longboard and tons of rocker and being like this guy actually did an air on a longboard and like grab yeah, that's awesome man like to me it looks i'd rather see like a car wreck than <laughs> than than that personally but yeah. that's the beauty of surfing and you know everybody everybody gets a has a gets a chance to do their translation and so that's, yeah, the whole and then I um skip fry made me an eagle, so that's always like a go-to. That's another board a board built on the idea of honesty. <laughs> you just I don't know, put your feet together, stand way back, and just like look for fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I said that was the final question, but one more question. Okay. Um, do you have any surf travel plans? And if not. <laughs> is there anywhere that you would still love to go that you yes. haven't Okay. And I've, I've talked to a couple people about it. Everybody's keen. And then I'm like, I can't do that trip right now. But I want to take the, I want to go to Moscow. <clears throat> Anybody out there, if you want to do this trip, do it. It's no secret because this starts in Moscow and then you get on the train there and then you go... It's like the Siberian, you know, express. express yeah. yeah. And then you get as close as you can to Lake Baikal. Okay. So that's the biggest freshwater um, body of freshwater in the world. 
Um, like our our lakes here in America might like surface area might be bigger, but like this one's so deep, <clears throat> and it's like when the continents split, like like mean there's eel, there's a uh, there's seals in it. Like there's freshwater seals. The only ones in the world are in Baikal, just to give you some kind wow. of a scale on how like tectonic plates are involved in making this lake, like many. But uh, and so I've done a bunch of research and actually found pictures where there's like I'm not saying I found good waves there. I'm saying I have photo evidence of like th like full blown like barreling shore break, and there's enough fetch with the right wind. Um, that I guarantee you there's more than like Lake Superior type novelty waves. Like there's something there. So mm. Moscow, Siberian Express, Lake Baikal, that's the one I want to do. Lake surfing. I don't like the idea of <laughs> lake surfing. It's not lake surfing. This is Baikal. But, this but, is different. But for the record, it is. In for a the lake record, now. it is. Fascinating. But, but yeah. But generally, I'm not interested in lake surfing. No, no, no. I get it. But Or pools. But that, to me, would be so fun. It would take, like, two months, you know? Like, by the, by the time you ride the train and then wait for the, th the thing to do it, wow. it would be, be amazing. Go wow. check out some seals. Amazing. Sounds like a film opportunity, too. Definitely. It could be, yeah, it could be a good one. It would be cool to, like. Yeah, it'd be cool to find some musicians and be like, "Your guys are coming with us." Yeah, just make a just make a, a a record on the on the train the whole time. Get some read like so. This is what you do: you get um, you get some like street musicians, and then and then you teach them how to surf on the train while you're going there. Like by the time they get there, they can totally surf. But you teach them on the train. And then the album is set to um, Dostoevsky. So that all the lyrics are just out of a Dostoevsky. It's like crime and punishment. The surf movie. There you go. I see it. Is that? I see it already. Yeah. I think that, I think that that's my next trip. I like it. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris... Thanks for a wonderful experience out here. Thank you, David. Yeah. I really am um, a huge fan of what you guys do and or you. what you do. Thank you. And um, yeah, it's such a fun uh, chance to catch up. And I really appreciate uh, you coming all the way out here to. Um, I feel to, I yeah. feel honored, man. <laughs> this place, honestly, it's incredible. Uh, Even just the drive out, is so incredible. Yeah, it's pretty quiet. So I appreciate the chance to, to bullshit with somebody. It's yeah. fun. Thanks. All right. Chris Malloy, ladies and gentlemen, um, you can find him on Instagram. It's Chris underscore Malloy underscore Yarning. Uh, I've linked to it on my own Instagram account. I've tagged him in a couple of posts, so you can just go click over to that. We've, of course, linked to it on surfsplendorpodcast.com, where I have also posted trailers to all of Chris's film work. 
um, go check it out. One of the films that we didn't even discuss in this podcast was a film that he did on Ramon Navarro in partnership with Patagonia. It's called The Fisherman's Son. Phenomenal film on a great human being and great surf figure as well. So come over to surfsplendorpodcast.com. Check that out. You can see our entire archive of over 450 episodes of Surf Splendor. If you like this show, you can do a deep dive into the archives. We have a number of other shows that we produce. My voice is on two of those other shows, Spit with Scott Bass and The Grit with Chas Smith. Those shows are produced weekly, so there's tons of content coming at you. And then, of course, we have The Plug with Justin Jay. We have Surf Stories with the Florida Surf Film Festival, The Boardroom Show with Scott Bass, Donald Brink, the surfboard shaper, has a show called Swell With My Soul. And then there's Hardcore Surf History with the Brewer Brothers. So tons of content to seek your teeth into. All of it's available for free. That is thanks to our subscribers. You could set up a paid subscription to support our work for five bucks a month. The show exists today in 2023 because those before you have been contributing. So those five buck contributions are just individual bricks in the foundation of this. So thank you for your consideration in doing that. And of course, thank you to our sponsors, Veyer Watches, WaterwaysTravel.com, and RealWaterSports.com. And lastly, a huge and sincere thanks to Chris Malloy. We've had some communication since recording these episodes, and I'm just honored to be able to connect with him through this process. I've always admired his work. I've always admired his surfing. So it's been a real cool experience. So thank you very much for the hospitality. Chris, I look forward to spending time up on that property again in the future. Hopefully bring my family by next time. So thanks, Chris. Thanks, listeners, for this opportunity to do the work. And uh, that's all I've got for this week. I hope that you enjoyed the show. My name is David Scales for Surf Splendor. And uh, I'm just reminding you always, weekly, encouraging you to, despite the busyness of everyday life, get back into the ocean, share some waves, and as always, shred on.